When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome to the Rangers Rabble Monday edition. My name's Derek McMillan. I'm joined tonight by Wilf. How are you doing, Wilf? I'm not bad, Derek. Not bad at all. Good. And I'm also joined by Greg. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good, thanks. Thanks Thanks for joining us uh, this evening and giving up your time of a wee chat. Now, we'll go right into it. Um, we've not had the best of results this weekend. Uh, luckily, there have been few and far between. So, how are we feeling after that today, Wilf? After the, the, the one-each draw with Hamilton? Disappointed. Um, we, we really weren't very good. We're allowed, we're allowed an off day, I suppose. But I mean, we were lucky to get out of there with a point. To be honest, if I was a Hamilton fan, I'd be a wee bit pissed off. We didn't take, didn't take um, all the points, although they were very lucky equalised right at the end. Um, the, the you got to look at the squad rotation. Um, I don't think we don't we don't appear to be good enough strength and depth to make the sort of changes we had. I mean, it was noticeable for me, especially first half of midfield just didn't exist. It was just non-existent. So if Jack and or Davis are fit, one of them has to start. I think, I think that's what today shows. Um, having said that, when I first saw the team, I thought, OK, that should be strong enough to beat Hamilton. So I think it might have been a case of um, the old saying um, that hard work, um, hard, hard work will, what is it to say? Hard work beats... Beats ability when ability doesn't work hard. That's the one. Yeah. I think yeah. it was a case of that today, really. I think whether it was a bit of complacency and they thought they could coast it or not, I don't really want to. You know, I don't really want to throw that at the team because I don't think that's in our mindset. But I mean, you can just look at Alan McGregor's reaction. I mean, I mean, when he's when he's that pissed off, we really didn't play very well. I feel the same. I think it's but well saying, yeah, we just never get going for the very beginning. Yeah, just surprising, but I think that's been the case a lot of games recently. The first 15 20 minutes, we've just no really, well, the day was the full game, but really no get going for the beginning. And it, it's, I don't know, it's them through the full team, I think. It's all for saying with the squad rotation, I think it was a big gamble playing Zungu. I thought it was a kind of game for him to maybe show what he was made of, but for me today, I don't know, I 
think that kind of battens out with him. He's just, he's just never got a grip of the midfield at all. And that kind of stemmed for there. There was nothing moving forward. Um, I thought Itton, Itton was good. He was a positive of the game. He's, he's link up playing stuff and he's kind of running in the channels was good. But the midfield weren't getting close enough to him. Yeah, yeah. Get it to space. That was frustrating. But again, probably, well, you were lucky to get a point, I think. We deserved Hamilton, deserved a win. Um, I totally agree. Uh, well, do you think that because Davis and Jack were both out, like you mentioned, do you think we could have maybe get away with um, rotating one of them and having one start? And do you think the two changes were just too much for us to, to keep that continuity? In hindsight, yes. But, I mean, like I said, when I, when I saw the team, I thought it was good enough. I mean, I, I said in the, in, the, in the pre-match that I expected one or both of them to be, to be, to be rested or rotated or whatever it is they call it these days. So, I'd be a bit of a hypocrite to say we should have played one of them because I, I thought they might both sit out. But it was it was patently obvious that they didn't they didn't throw Zungu in there. I mean the, the game just sort of passed him by. Mm-hmm. It seemed to pass the whole midfield by. And I don't know whether that had an effect on everybody else because they didn't have the call. I mean, it was noticeable when Jack when Jack came on. Within five minutes of Jack coming on, we made we made our best chance of the game. Just where we threw ball that he put that he put through. Oh, he was no, excellent when he came on. I thought he was excellent when he yeah, came on, Wolf. Within minutes of him coming on. So that's what we miss. You know, and it's it was strange because we don't have a game midweek. You know, that he, that he rested them both. I mean, I expected Jack not to play because of that pitch and the, and the fact that he said back with the injury. Um, but the fact that he, he, he rested Davis as well when we've not got a game midweek, I'd see the point if the Antwerp game was this midweek. But it's not. You know what I mean? So they, 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 they could get a couple of days off. I now hope they don't get a couple of days off after that. Mm. I think we're at a stage of the season as well. It's it's getting over the line. Do I mean we've not been in this position for so long? So I think, I mean, at least as you say, Davis has to start. You've, you've just got to go away. The rest will come. I know it's important for squad rotation, but in a game where it's like five, six games away from winning the league, you've just got to go all guns blazing and go there and go out for it. And I think. As you heard, was saying his interview, he, he kind of admitted that as well. It was a great interview for him, but he kind of says that in his interview that the changes he kind of made, he maybe got the personnel wrong, but there's still strong enough players in the park to play. Like Kent's been missing for weeks. I don't know what's going on with Ryan Kent, but he just seems to be, I don't know, lacking confidence or it's not quite coming off for him. He's not really taking on players, but it seemed to change when Jack and Wright came on the park. Wright made a difference as well. I thought he was another positive. He was kind of good, but no, we just never get going at all. He nearly got away with it. Um, but, I mean, you've got to also question, and I might be preempting what you're coming to, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but you've got you've got to question the um, the game management towards the end. I mean, it's three minutes into four minutes of stoppage time, and we, we give away a daft free kick inside their box, which gives them time to clear their lines, and they end up putting the ball in it. You know, I mean, I'm not one for saying, let's run the clock down. But you're one up, and there's a minute to go. Run the fucking clock down. So, so we're talking about rotation, right? And, and that's what we're kind of kind of building this uh, this uh, discussion up around. But you're talking about game management. You know, that was Tav that made that mistake in your box. That's a guy that's not rotated. Greg, you've mentioned Ryan Kent, who maybe wasn't at his best day again. A guy that doesn't get rotated. Do you think we were a bit let down by our mainstay players that today as well? I think so. I think with with Tav and your. He's, he's been brilliant all season. It's hard to criticise him because he's yeah. he's been absolutely a standout player all season. And I know the last couple of weeks he's not quite been himself, but 
the, the man management side, he's the one you're looking to go, right, let's get the ball down, hold it. Because a few minutes before that, that's what they were doing. Well, it seemed to be like that. There was kind of wee intimate passes between Davis and Jack, and it looked as if, right, as well for the same, we've got away with us here. But it, I don't know what he was thinking to give the free kick away, and then for the cross, he was absolutely nowhere to be seen. Um, but it was good to see McGregor. McGregor was the one kind of standout player, obviously, with five, six crucial saves, and he seemed to be the one who has been the leader. But for so many players... To no show that kind of leadership, I think that's maybe where they made too many changes because Davis and Jack are the leaders in the park as well. And Itton's not really used to playing for the beginning. So you're, I was maybe kind of lack of leadership in the respects, but it is difficult to criticise who one or two players when it was a kind of team effort that was poor. But I'm sure McGregor and that will get right into them during the week. Anyway, I think. For me, there was only one person that played well today um, for the full game, and Jack came on and, and done a job. Itton was okay. I thought he held up the play a lot, but it uh, played really well. But there was no one really near him. I mean, you can't win games in a top flight football league with one and a half people playing well, can you? No, I mean, as Greg said, Itton did well, but there was nobody, you know, there was nobody up supporting him. He, he, he kind of. He, he did okay in, in, with, with, the, with the ball that he had, but I mean, he, it would have been better. I think it'd have been better from the point of view of seeing what you can do if he was still on when Jack and Davis had come on, you know, rather than rather than kind of roof because they, they were they were feeding balls through. It was just the midfield was just not it was just non-existent. It's, you really need everybody to turn up, and the big players, as you said, there, the big players just didn't turn up. Mm-hmm. And if the big players aren't aren't there, then the ones that are sort of like so, you know, the the squad players that started, if you like. You know they're they're probably looking at them for a bit of inspiration because it's not going well and it's not going well for them either. So that probably led to led to what happened. But we nearly, we nearly get away with that. I mean, all the the, the Rangers Twitter has been fantastic, as you probably noticed. Aye. You know, I mean, there's people writing the season off and we're still unbeaten. You know, it's disappointing. Yeah. It's two drop points, but I mean, I let's go over. It. I seen one guy saying it's going to be the biggest collapse since McCoy's in 2011, and that was my time to put my phone down for the evening. Oh, I honestly, yeah. I, I get it right. We've set ourselves such high standards, right? So we should we shouldn't be drawn away to Hamilton, right? We shouldn't, regardless of who's on that pitch wearing the wearing the blue jersey, we should win that game, right? I get it, right? I get the frustration, but we need to look at this. It's all relative. We're five wins away from a league title, our first league title in ten years. Let's get realistic here. A draw away from home against Hamilton is not the end of the world in isolation. Now, when it becomes a problem for me is if we don't go on to Saturday and, and go and blow Kilmarnock out of the water. You know, and, that, that, and to be honest, to be fair to the team, every time we've had a negative result, we've come back and we've answered any questions. So I'm confident now that we've had this sort of blip, if you want to call it that, we can go and kick on. I mean, Greg, there's no need to panic, is there? Not at all, no. And as you say, the, the Rangers Twitter just baffles me. Obviously, the first... <laughs> Hour or so, you're like, it's gotten close, it's gotten you. We want to win every game, and you think you're more than capable of beating Hamilton in their own ground. So, the first thing you're like, right, that was hard to take. But as you say, then the perspective kind of kicks in. We're five league wins away for a major title that we've not had in years. We're unbeaten, the team's doing well, so many clean sheets. The changes that we've had since Gerard's come in over the three years, even today's game is a perfect example. I mean, last season, the Rangers probably the lost. With the way we've been playing and stuff, but to actually take the lead and then being 30 seconds or so away from winning the game, again, is the kind of only positive you take. But there's just far too much of a reaction. As we say, one game at a time, but you look at the games in isolation. Today's performance wasn't good enough. But as you say, we move on to Kilmarnock and go, right, that 90 minutes, we focus on that. No, that's a league, this and that, and it's people getting too carried away. You just need to look at each game in isolation. Um, but aye, there's no worry. There isn't any worry. 
Albert will be. Would you? Would you think? Well, for you, I mean, we've we've seen all this before, haven't we? I mean, for the for the kind of guys as old as me and yourself, well, for, we've we've been over the course a million times before. I draw at Hamilton is nothing in the grand scheme of things, isn't it? Not. No, no. As you, as you said, Derek. No, it, it's not. As long as as long as we follow up with a win against Kilmarnock, it doesn't matter how we do it. You know, I mean, it'd be great to play Kilmarnock this Saturday and blow them out of the water, as you say. But if it's if it's a one nil, if it's a one nil grind that the three points end up with us at the end of the day, that's all. That's all that really matters. I mean, you mm-hmm. go back to you know our nine in a row seasons, particularly the, the, sort of, the sort of middle seasons of it. The games were dreadful. There was a lot of really really turgid games, really poor results, or what you could say is poor results. What we got there in the end, and that's what it's about. It's about getting the prize at the end of the day. We're far enough ahead that a draw at Hamilton doesn't really matter. You know, obviously, you want to win every game, but but really, it's not really made a made a made put a, put a blip in what we're doing. We're no put it this way, we're no worse off now than we were three weeks ago. Points went. No. With the way all the games have gone. So we just go over it and we should just, we should just move on. We know it gets harder as years before the good Rangers team have won titles. It's always harder to win the league the closer you get as well. So you need to keep that in mind. Do you know what I mean? When you're trying to go over the line, as you say, the performances as the it matters, it's just as you say, both getting the, the three points at the end of the day. So it, it is going to be tough and it's a, a psychological battle that the players haven't really experienced before. So it's just taking each game at a time and says the reaction has to be big against Comarnock. Yeah, I think I think it could be a blessing in disguise today. Uh, Gerald and McGregor's interview were spot on. I mean, I could watch the two guys talk about football all day. McGregor just doesn't accept that sort of performance. The manager's the same. Can you see a few backsides getting kicked this week, Wolf? Absolutely. I mean, I I wouldn't like to be in that. I mean, I wouldn't like to be in that dressing room when McGregor got back in after that interview. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if I if I was in that dressing room and he was out in the interview, I'd be in the shower, out the shower, and hiding at the back of the bus before oh, he on the bus. Right. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, that's that's the sort of thing we need because he knows what it's about. He knows how to go over the course. You know, and he's he's won things at the end. So he knows how to win a title. Davis knows how to win a title. You know, these guys will be, be massive in the dressing room in the next three or four weeks just for the experience that they've got. You know, the, the manager knows how to win major trophies. I mean, okay, he's never won a league title. But he's won he's won the Champions League. You know, he, he's won the, he's won cups. He knows he knows how to go over, over the course. So these guys are going to be absolutely crucial to the the guys that, to the guys that haven't won things over the course. Even Tav, I mean Tav, okay, yeah, club captain, been with us a long time. He's never he's never won anything of any substance, really. You know, he's won championships and stuff like that, but not anything of any substance. Yeah. So even he'll be relying on guys like McGregor, Davis, you know, to kind of help push him over the line. Yeah, Greg, how important are these guys going to be, Stephen Davis, these of this world, the next few days, just to, uh, I mean, as you say, there's no need to panic, but you know, you want to bounce back, so how important are these guys to, to lift the moods to, uh, tomorrow or whenever they're back in to focus on Saturday? Oh, 100%. I, I think it's important for these players to sit down and have the chat. They kind of players will maybe not be in this situation to, go, to kind of realise this is the kind of emotions, the experience you get through when you're so close, but you're quite over the line, and it's just trying to get that... Psychological battle, I think it's all kind of mentally for me. It's just try to keep the mentality there that it's positive and things are going well and just kind of take each day as it comes. So I think when you get the day back into training, it'll just be right. So I'll just focus on that training session alone and just the wee kind of segments we can work on for each game. So I think that's where, like, like Sir Davis and McGregor, or just the passion and the motivation through that side. 
and helping other players will come through, hopefully. So it's just, again, building for the year. I think you just got to build for the year, get it out of the system, have the talk, reflect, move on and just be as positive as we can. And players like Davis and McGregor, with their mentality and their level of professionalism and the way they play football, be crucial. Yeah, I just love that it's not accepted any longer. You know, these sort of performances are not accepted. These draw, draws are a disaster and that's the way they should be treated. And by the players anyway, um, so fingers crossed we, we get the reaction. Now, I, I want to mention a bit of a positive for today, if I can find one. Scott Wright, come on, maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes to go. Did you? I mean, I was really impressed with him. I thought he was going to great positions. I thought he was in an awkward space for the opposition, if that makes sense. Like, he was going to, for me, it looks as if he's going to cause uh, a lot of problems for teams. Well, for you impressed with I know it's only 15 minutes, as I'm no asking you to put your opinion on the, on the wall here, but it looked good, didn't he? It looked sharp. Yeah, he looked, yeah, he looked, he looked okay when he came on, uh, particularly in the, you know, the state of the game was in when he came on. I mean, the, the team weren't play, weren't playing well. Whatever we knew, the team weren't playing well. And I just say, I mean, Hamilton, it was a it was a free shot for them today. You know, they just threw themselves because they had nothing, they had nothing to lose. They don't expect to get anything off us. So their season's not defined on that. So they're they're still even that late in the game. They're throwing themselves into challenges. And they're, they're chasing back on everything, and they're really putting it in. But no, I thought he did okay. He was always looking for the ball. He was in space. He was even, you know, telling other players where to go, which for a young, youngish guy making his debut, I mean, that's that's really, really good to see. Really good to see. Mm-hmm. Ah, his movement, his movement was great. Ah, as well. I think he's seen before. He's got that kind of half turn that he does, and I think he showed it a couple of times there, where he just kind of he's there, but he drifts away again quick. As you say, I think he was just dead hard to follow. He was always moving. He never stopped moving. So Hamilton had something to think about, and that kind of final third of the park where it was just the way we've seen Rangers play all season they kind of wee quick passes and then as Wolf was saying just kind of showing people where to go and stuff but I think he'll fit perfectly because I think he can play a top, like the middle three and the front three so he can actually play anywhere so I think teams are kind of going to have something to think about the way he adapts to his game but no definitely signs as if he's had no fear which was good to see that there was no kind of sign up this is a big club I'm here kind of stage fright yeah it's looked quite confident and as if he could make an impact to the game so Hopefully that continues for him. Yeah. He's looked okay in his, his, cam, his wee cameo there. Hopefully that's a kick up the arse that, um, that, that Ryan Kent needs. You know, because he's potentially taking Ryan Kent's place off him in the team. Mm-hmm. You know, so ho- hopefully Kent will go, wait a minute, I've got a wee bit of competition here. But he didn't have the guys like Brandon Barker and Greg Stewart and guys, because they were never going to take him out of the team. But Scott Wright's got a great chance of dislodging him out of the team. So hopefully it's a win-win because it, p- it picks his game up. Um... What I like about Scott Wright is he plays off the backer, midfielders. So he's like very hard for people to pick up. You, the defenders get dragged out, the midfielders don't know where they drop. So I can see him causing all sorts of problems. So you're talking about him giving Kent, up, Kent a kick up the backside. Would you bring Wright in for Saturday? No, Wolf, sorry. Not instead of Kent. Unless, I don't know, you can maybe push Kent back, maybe take a rebo out because he was a bit nondescript today. Put right in. Don't know, there's so many ways you could do it, but I don't I don't know if I don't know if taking Kent out is going to really have the desired effect at the moment. But then that's why I'm not the manager. Yeah. I agree with that. I think I think the Kent's he's, he's not been at his best, but he's still got that in the moments in him. I think when he's no he's playing it he's basically can still create because I go at nothing, so I think well, but definitely will be able to kick up the bum for him and stuff like that. Because right, it's obviously there he plays well and starts, so I think he'll 
a wake up call for him. But um, no, I think Kane will still start. Aye. I, I, I think it would be the same, but it gives, gives him something to think about, doesn't it? It's good to have that other option. He certainly looked the part when he came on anyway. So, squad rotation. Well, we've got so many um, big games coming up, the next five especially, plus the Europe. Are you been in squad rotation? And it's if you're fit, you're playing, and that's your strongest team, and you're going with it. Is that the way we have to go from now on in? Yes, definitely. I think I think um, the Super game in the League Cup and today have shown that we don't the whether it's whether it's unfamiliarity not playing together or some of the squad guys just aren't of the level we need to play to play for ninety minutes. It's if the if the if what we're perceived to be our first eleven are fit, they've got to play. They have to. Because we need to get this league over. Once the league's once the league's done, he can play, he can play under tens if he wants. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know? But yeah, need need to play them. Need to play the strongest team possible. Get the wins on the board, get it get it done, keep the confidence going and just see where Europe takes us. Yeah, you the same mind. I tend to agree with that as well. I think the it's definitely been a wake up call. Because Rangers haven't got the resources and stuff like that. I know the, the, the quality in the squad and the strength and depth is good. So it should be that players coming in should be able to do the job. But I think you're talking about especially Davis and Jack and players like they really, really need to begin. I think if he does look to rotate, it only needs to be one. I don't. I wouldn't go. I would just play your, your strongest starting eleven. But it would need to be one, and then hopefully, say you're in top 60, 70 minutes. Then that's when you can bring players on if he was rotating. That's the only way I would do it. But no, I think you've, you've got to go with the, the strongest team, especially just to get over the line now because it's you don't want to be maybe you draw the next one and then you, that's when the, the kind of fear factor starts kicking in. So it's, I think, just to you go over the line, aye, you've got to go with if you're fit, you're playing. Aye. I think today was the first league game of the season that either, either Davis or Jack hasn't started. And it was the worst performance of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you look at that, and there's got to be some correlation between the two. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Now we'll, we'll, we'll move on through that. I think we all agree as we we roll the the first eleven out, and we make maybe one or two changes, maybe one change. And <laughs> you know, there's a couple of boys that you know are just as good. Like you can swap out Roof for Morelos, etc., and Kamara for Jack even in certain games. But yeah, and Balogun for Hollander could probably be done. But I think today we just. Made two changes in the, the a key in a key place and it, it obviously didn't work and I think that some of the players have lost a wee bit of trust today maybe I don't think we'll see Zungu feature much uh, unfortunately he's not really had a chance I don't want to judge the the, the boy to be honest with you he's um, he's not really had a chance at running the team but there's uh, high stakes here isn't there so we'll just need to get Davis uh, in that cotton wool during the week to roll him out of the weekend for me until until this thing's won. Um, so, obviously, the breaking news today is Kamar Roof's um, retrospective red card, shall we call it, uh, is going to be challenged by the club. Greg, do you think that's the right decision uh, for the club to club to challenge us with the SFA? I think in this instance, I, I think so, because, I, I, again, I think we spoke about it in the previous pod with the one with the Ellis. It's basically a wee referee in a game again. Obviously, the referee had seen... Roof's challenge, he booked him, so we all thought that was it again. I think the, the challenge itself, he was lucky. It was probably in a red card. I think he was lucky to stay in the park. But it just boils down. Again, you're just questioning referees constantly. I mean, you're just, the, the referees are then going to have no trust in them at all and are going to actually doubt themselves in jobs. Are they actually going to start to be scared to make decisions in matches yeah. now? Mm-hmm. That, 
because of the fear of this is a big game, what way is it going to go with the impact? But not the referee's fault either. It's the organisation above. They've got to have a system where it's clear for everyone and and just have the rules. If they make a decision, then that's surely got to be it in my eyes. Like you can't then look forward and back. If you do, if you are going to make a decision, it's surely got to be when I think Scott mentioned one of the previous pods, like a match report for the referee. You then look at it and go, I'll make the final decision based on that. But it just seems to be one rule for one and no the other. There's so many challenges this season who have not even been cited when they've been actually terrible as well. The, the, the mm-hmm. fact that they can't even look at it. But everybody, it's clear to see all over the media that it's a bad tackle, but then they just handpick certain ones. So I don't know why that is. I know it's an agenda against Rangers, but I don't know. The whole it just needs to be looked at. I think I actually all need a revamp. They probably need new people in all together, some sort of I don't know, a compliance officer or Wolfison before like, lawyers or something new. They need to actually look at the whole system and start from scratch, basically. It's the system rather than who's making the decision. I think that's, that's all wrong. You know, I mean, the, the, when it was originally brought in, it was brought in so it was brought in for things that the referee might have missed. You know, like some like somebody behind the referee's back, uh, you know, sticking the head on somebody, or or you know, really getting in late and the referee's turned away to watch something else and things like that. It, they they insisted when they brought it in they weren't going to be re-refereeing games. Well, that's exactly what they're doing, as Greg says. They're just re-refereeing the game, but they're only re-refereeing certain incidents in certain games. So if they're going to go down this route of re-refereeing games, they have to look at every single game every week and look at everything forensically and say, right, okay, that's a, that is, that isn't. Because what's happening now is you're getting still you're getting stills appearing all over social media saying, look at this for a challenge. Well, I still photograph to tell you anything. You know, so there's people getting getting all up in arms, well, why is that why is that not getting cited? Why is that not a red card? So if they're going to do it. They need to do it throughout the whole the whole board. It's the actual it's the actual process that's wrong, I think, because they are re refereeing the games. The other problem we've got is is the quality of the referees, because if they're picking up referees all the time, and it's the same referees they're picking up, surely then it's something to do with the referee not making the decision in the first place, which means he can't be good enough. You know what I mean? I mean the Morel the Morella sighting was because Kevin Clancy didn't send them off. Right. The, the Celtic player diving was a game that Kevin Clancy refereed. So that's two in a row of the same referee. So is it the process or is it the quality of the referee? What do you think, Greg, about both? I, I think so. I think there seems to be certain referees who are getting the decisions wrong. And I'll say the, the quality is a top, top, top league with high stakes for all the clubs, not just the teams at the top. There's relegation battles going on mid table. It's crucial for every team. So it, it, the referees really, that's what everybody in their job can make mistakes, but that's what they're paid to do. Do you know what I mean? So you expect the high standards of the people that they're getting in, so they should be able to kind of make the decisions. But then, as Wolf was saying, all over social media, everybody's just picking on certain challenges now. So it's actually ruining the football game. Everybody's talking about, oh, look at this tackle there, look at that tackle there, know about that goal or that free kick or whatever else. So it's actually ruining the concept of the game for fans as well, because that's all we seem to be talking about rather than. The important thing, which is actually the game of football, um, but they, they really need to sit down and look at the whole. I think it's just the whole system. Something needs to change. Something's got to be more clarification, or they've got to data as well. Says maybe the quality of referees, but the whole actual whole system as a whole, they've just got to look at it and, and just make it clear for everybody. That's all everybody wants. It's no a big thing. Well, it is a big thing, but you, it's not like rocket science. It's just to make it clear and consistent for people to say this is what happens during a game. 
if it's a booking, this is it's finished. If it's we're going to cite it. If not, then people go right. That's fine then, and we'll kind of have trust in your system. But until then, it's just going to be a constant debate about it. Yeah, totally. I kind of made a joke on Twitter the other day. It's like it's like three days after VAR. That's what we've got here. We've got someone sitting re-watching games or watching them live, whatever they're doing, and then picking up an instance since they feel that the referee's not not got right. Now, that's only going to happen uh, at certain levels of the game. So for me, if you look back, and I don't, again, I'm not saying there's this massive agenda, I'm not wanting to uh, act like a Celtic fan here with a chip on the shoulder and stuff, but if you're a Rangers player, you're more likely to be called up than you are if you're a Hamilton player. Mm-hmm. Now, that's ridiculous. And that shouldn't happen. There shouldn't be that differential in treatment um, because people, more people watch your games. Um, it's ridiculous for me. Now, Wolf, is, this the, is this the worst kind of period you've seen for this? Or do you think just because there's more cameras, there's more social media, there's more fan interaction almost, that they drive up this frenzy? So people almost have to, have, um, have to be cited because fans are almost demanding it. Do you see a bit of that, Wilf, or do you think the, the standard of refereeing is as bad as, as we've seen? Well, the standard of refereeing is, is, is definitely bad. I mean, it's getting, I think it's getting worse. Than, I mean, being of a certain age, I can go back to some referees that we thought he was, he was dreadful as a referee. But compared to the guys that are here now, some of these referees were well, beaters, guys like Bob Valentine and Hugh Dallas and guys like that. Used to think they were they were dreadful referees, but I'd much rather have them than what we've got now. But I mean, it must be difficult for a ref because all the time he knows that you know the decision he makes, they might they might go back and pull him up on it and say, "Look, you got that wrong." You know. So is it going to come? Is it going to come to the stage where the referee, if he's in any doubt at all, just as well as a red card, I'll send them off, and if I've got it wrong, they'll they'll rescind it, and the guy's not suspended. But I've done what I thought was right at the time. Is it going? To, I mean, it might it might even get to that stage, you know, that rather than earn on the side of caution, they'll be they'll be worse. And it is. I mean, your original question is Eric. The it's the worst I've seen of this citing players because they've got a system that they have to be seen to use. You know, and it's it's. Let's see, we need we need clarity on the system, on what they can and can't look at. And when I I saw somebody tweeting me earlier when I when I queried something, and apparently that. They said at the start of the season that they'll now go back and look at anything that they, that, they, that they feel the referee got wrong. Now, that wasn't what it was originally brought in for. It was brought in for glaring, glaring mistakes or things the referee missed. Yeah. You know? I mean, to me, the Kamar Roof thing last week, referees looked straight at it. He deemed it a yellow card. It wasn't a glaring mistake. I would, I would understood if he sent him off because he probably should have, but it wasn't a glaring mistake. You could argue the one in the first minute day when the boy Callahan could possibly be the red card. But I'm not about to start calling, screaming for it because he booked them. But had he sent them off, I don't think anybody would have complained. So are they going to go back and look at that? They probably won't. And quite rightly, they shouldn't because the referees made the decision. So they have to clarify what they can and can't look at. And if they're going to look at every challenge, they have to look at every challenge in every game and just make the referees glorify timekeepers. I think the, the outside noise affects the referees as well, especially. I don't know. Yeah. Again, a Rangers point of view, but talking about like San Morelos and stuff like that, he's just had that kind of shadow over his head that he's done one tackle, so he's this big bad player now. So I think that it, it's got to play in the referee's mind that it, that challenge may be not so bad, but I will put a yellow card because I know what it can be like, and this is what it can be lead to, rather than actually basing it on the challenge, it's what it could lead up to as well. So that's 
frustrating because Morelos has done remarkably well with his temperament and stuff like that. But it's the same with other players as well. It's just I think they keep in mind well. This is the kind of personality this player has been. So it's more looking at that for that aspect as well, which is frustrating because as well said it should just be based on tackle per tackle. No, this player's made this tackle, so he's got this reputation. So and maybe in 20 minutes time he's going to make another tackle. So I need to do this before it does lead to red cards or whatever else. So it's and that can't happen either. But unfortunately, I think that. It probably does play a wee bit apart in the referees' minds. Um, it's frustrating. Yeah, the tackle the roof has been cited for was a yellow, a yellow card on the day, as was Curtis Mains against uh, Borna Barisic. I mean, what was worse? You know, and that's a rhetorical question. You don't need to jump in there. It's, Curtis Mains is, is worse every day of the week. But yet that's not even looked at again. Or maybe even worse. Maybe it was looked at and they've deemed it as not... Uh, uh, valid for retrospective action. Consistency has been a, a word that we've been using and the management have been asked for it, the club's been asking for it. I mean, how far away are we from that? It's miles away, isn't it? Oh, it's miles and miles and miles away from consistency because you're, you're never going to get consistency because especially with so, uh, the age of social media, everybody's going to start complaining about it. Oh, you know, our player got this and your player got that and, and whatever, whatever. You know, so I don't think... But consistent, consistency of... The system's all we can ask for. So if they're citing roof for that challenge, then they should have, they should have cited Curtis Mead. You know, they're, they're charging Morelos, but they didn't charge McGregor. McGregor's challenge was arguably worse. And he didn't get... And they, they come out and said he's, he's not got a case to answer. Well, it's, exa- it's, almost the same, it's almost the same incident. But one's getting done and one isn't. You know? And it's they need to clarify the system and be more consistent in... And using it. So you just it's something as well saying you need to take leadership. Somebody needs to take leadership and then you kinda can all follow for there. Like this is a, their decision and whether there's as well saying outside noise a oh but that shouldn't be about a red card and you go, Well, no, we've made the decision. This is what the decision is, whether you like it or no, for the best interest of the game, that's it. And I every fan's not going to like it because we're always going to have a debate. Well, I don't think it was a yellow card, but the ref did think it was a yellow or a red. But as well says, it just needs to be, this is what we're sticking to, this is what we're going with, and we move on for there, but ah, it's miles away, absolutely miles away. I think you, just the whole organisation of the SFA together, not even just this kind of issue, it's another debate, but it just the whole system just needs to be looked at to make it better for all teams, I think. I think the whole SFA shambles is like another podcast, Greg, De- Greg, definitely. I think we could be here till <laughs> tomorrow morning talking about the, sh- the shambles that they are. Um, here's a th- here's here's a thing for you before we move on, Derek. Right, see the whole compliance situation, right? And Greg just got to think about it when he when he said about the SFA. Is it the SFA that run it, or is it the SPFL? Because I don't know who's in charge of the compliance system. Is it the SFA because they supply the referees, or is it the SPFL because it's their ball? Does anybody actually know? I don't know, but I, I can make a good guess. I think when they had that um, Claire White in the position, she was employed by the SFA, I think. I think. So, you know, I mean, nobody actually knows for sure. I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put uh, any amount of money on it, over a, a pound, but I, I think she was employed by the SFA, and because they supply the referees, they set out the rules, I think. I think. But that's the problem. That's think, the point you're making. I think that's right, but that's the thing. That's is it problem. right? Do they consult the SPFL do they, or do they just say, well, look, this is what we're going to do? Yes. So, I mean, we could talk about ways to fix it, right? Does VAR fix it, Greg? It's a difficult one as well, I think. 
Because there's some instances where I thought Val's been really, really good and it has worked. And then other times I'm like, mm, no, I don't think I'm really keen. I think definitely we don't know, at least to get another view point to actually look at it and actually hopefully get the decision right. So I think in that aspect, you would think it would, would help. But there's so many discussions, like the handball rule and all that comes into it. It's just as soon as the ball hits your hand and it's a penalty or a free kick. So there's a lot of aspects I don't agree with. But I think maybe in any sense, I'm just giving the referees actually look at it again and stuff. I think it would definitely so help. I think the fact that they want to hear exactly what, how I would like to see it used, do you think that you would, um, if the referees no so sure, they could have a monitor there to, to look at it? You know, the kind of the way the Italians sort of do it. Yeah. You know, so if they're no so sure, they can go and have a look. Well, do you think that could work? A sort of val light, almost? Possibly, but they'd need to put a time limit on it. You know, they need to say, right, if the referee's made a decision, because the referee has to make a decision, and if whoever's looking at it can't make a decision within 30 seconds, then whatever decision the referee's originally come to is the one that's got to stand. Because, you know, you, you get the, I mean, the, the EPL, they've taken it to the nth degree, and they've got three, four, and five minute delays for VAR because they look at it a hundred times and they look at it from 40 different angles. If you can't decide within 30 seconds, then the decision the referee originally made is the decision that's got to stand. But my biggest concern if we brought in VAR with somebody, with somebody else looking at a monitor is that somebody else is going to be lower quality ref than the low quality ref that's on the park. And that to me is a problem. You know, the referees are poor enough refereeing the game without having somebody who, by the fact he's not in the middle of the middle of the pitch refereeing the game, is going to be of a lower quality, is actually looking at it and making the decision. That's great concern. So another uh, idea I had, Greg, was full-time refs. We don't have full-time refs in Scotland. Uh, some of them have got very good jobs and it'd be very hard to, to, to entice them away from these very good jobs. But with the guys that are coming through, you know, at grassroots, you know, the 17, 18-year-olds coming out of school, uh, they do referees courses, courses in schools now, which for me is, is good. It's getting people that actually play the game um, to do them and people that have got an interest in playing football. Do you think full-time refs could be a, a solution going forward, Greg, or do you think that's a bit far-fetched for Scotland? No, I think, you're saying, I think it could be interesting, I, especially if they're, they're kind of getting the, the development side of it and kind of, they're learning all the kind of ins and outs of that and stuff and basically involve like, the grassroots of the game then, I think to be more inclined to maybe an official that's as a referee, but maybe doesn't know all about, well, knows all about football, but no in the sense of playing the game and stuff like that and actually be things you need to kind of look out for. So I think that actually could kind of maybe work then, um, just because the inside knowledge then would be good. So it's just not like a kind of biased point of view. It's actually coming through what they've learned and try to get their viewpoint across uh, that way. That's actually really interesting, that one. I never really heard. That, yeah. I think we're at this stage where we're trying to um, get the referees better. If they fully train, you know, as a referee, then surely the standard would be better. Now, as we can see with English England, with the the, the ref, full time referees, is never going to be perfect. But I think if you you say in ten years' time we want to be professional as referees, set up, then you can get these boys in at eighteen, nineteen, almost make a make a career out of it. Um, Another thing, I'll just, I'm full of ideas tonight, Wolf, so I'm just going to fly this at you. Um, see the panels, it's all ex-referees, uh, the, the judge, that will ultimately judge on Kamar Roof on Tuesday, uh, after, uh, Tuesday as well. Do you think uh, an ex-player 
or an ex-manager would be best suited on these type of panels or do you think it should be kept to the referee and fraternity? No, I think you've got to have somebody on there that's played the game because I mean, I've, never, I've never played the game to any any sort of level at all. And even speaking to guys that, that I go to watch Rangers with or, or, that I, or that I know that have played at even a decent amateur level or a decent junior level, they see the game completely different to a guy that's never played at any level at all. We've all played football to varying degrees. But if you've played at even a half even a half decent amateur level, you you know, you know what a player's trying to do when he's going for a challenge, how how the game's gonna go. So you do you really do need that um experienced head on a panel like that. You know? And but go back to your point you were talking to Greg about with the um the professional refs. The biggest plus for me would be the fact that they've they've got nothing else particularly to worry about. Obviously, the family situations and all that, because everybody's human, but they don't have another job to be concerned about. You know, it's not going through their head that they've maybe got a meeting first thing in the morning, so they need this game finished. They can't afford too much stoppage time or extra time or whatever else, because you don't... Because, like you said, they're, they're, most of them are in high-paid high, high jobs. So it's probably high-pressure stuff that they do. Whereas if a professional, the only thing they're worrying about, income-wise, is the job that they're there to do on the park. I think that would that would be beneficial. Yeah, I think we should definitely be looking at it. It's the, the right time to do it as well. Um, obviously, they've introduced any schools. It would be an easy, an easy sell. Almost make people make a career. The wages wouldn't need to be that high either. You could almost get ex professionals as well. I was thinking, you know, boys that have played with Hamilton or Championship football don't earn a lot of money. So you could almost like don't want to use the word groom, but you could get them into a refereeing pathway as they, as they are coming up for retirement. You know, almost like your coaching badges are now. You could get ex-players in to be referees. I mean, a referee, you know, at a very low level, right? And the fact that I've played the game, people always say to me after, well, you could tell you could play, maybe not looking at me, but they can tell because I talk to the players, I explain my decisions, yeah, I'll let things go, you know, and I think that if people that haven't played the game are, are very pernickety and they end up losing the respect to the players pretty quickly and I can kind of see see that within the professional game and I'm just thinking there are ways to, to try and fix it not my job the SFA can do something for the money but I just thought I'd fling some ideas at you now we'll, we'll move on from that well, someone, well, I'm sorry just before you move on there it's something that's just come to my head there it's, if, there's a, if there's a professional pathway there's so many players come out of academies you know young players that drop out of academies that it's just no for them maybe their bodies can't handle it you know, the, the intensity of, of being a full-time professional player or for whatever reason. So they're dropping out of the professional game at 18, 19 year old. If they could then slip into being, having a career as a referee, they've played the game at a level. It's the same thing. You know, and they're coming in at the grassroots. It, it would work perfectly, but it'd need funding. And that's the problem. Yeah, to totally agree. Well, totally agree. Where's this money coming from? But I think the clubs could maybe look to do something, reinvest back into the game. I mean, we're paying, we're playing referees thousands of pounds per game, I think it is. Or is it, I can't remember, is it a thousand pounds? I can't remember exactly what it is for the top of the SPFL, right? But say it's 800 quid to a thousand pounds, that, that's an outlay as it is, uh, plus your linesman, plus all that. So you could kind of re refunnel that back in. But you know what, it would take a lot of funding, you're 100% correct. But for me, if you put that funding back into the game, it grows our game and it's more of a better spectacle to sell to the rest of the world. And, and at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And the referee's a massive part of that. Now, we'll end this. We've been a wee bit negative, but I want to finish on this. Do you think Roof will be banned on Tuesday, Wolf? 
Uh, probably. But I think I think we're possibly taking it. We're possibly appealing it to to make a point, if you like. You know, to say, look, we need we need we've appealed it because we're looking for clarification. We're looking for we must have a point to be making, and we must think we've got a chance. You know, to win it. But I mean, I saw an interview with um, David Moyes yesterday. Was it David Moyes? West Ham boy got, got a ridiculous red card towards the end, and they said to him, "Are you going to appeal it?" And it's the exact words where you very rarely win these appeals. And that's not just in England; it's in Scotland as well. You do very rarely win the appeals. So I'd be, I'd be, sh- I'd be shocked, but happily shocked if we did win the appeal. Yeah, but me, Greg. I can. I think the same. I might be wrong. I don't know. Did Murray Davidson go off injured with a tackle, or was it another? It was something else that got him injured. Something he injured himself tackling Ryan Kent. So you wonder if, if, if say, I think Rangers are doing it to make a point. If that's maybe kind of under consideration with the appeal as well, that it's maybe looked as if it's worse because he's been off injured, but it wasn't actually that tackle he's been off for. So it could be in that sense. But no, I definitely think it will get banned. But just the Rangers making the point that it needs to be mere consistency, and if you're looking at Challenge it needs to be across all games and all different challenges in that sense. Um, but aye, I think you'll actually get banned for that one. I think so. Yeah, I, I also think you will. I think they'll make fly on an extra game just for just because they can, uh, unfortunately. But we'll, we'll see how that comes on Tuesday. Now, we've been quite negative the last uh, kind of 20 minutes or so talking about referees and appeals, it's pretty boring. So, our manager Stephen Gerrard's just surpassed 100 wins uh, on. Wednesday night there which is obviously fantastic for him and fantastic for us for getting us back to where we belong now there's been some great wins along the way uh, Greg I, I, I've mentioned this to you today I hope you've got a favourite one and I'm going to look really silly here what's your favourite one uh, favourite Gerard one out of that 100 um, this is probably going to be quite boring but it was actually one of the more recent ones I think it was a game against Muddle when we came back and won and I don't know if it was just in the sense of where Kind of where we've been, and it was the first kind of big challenge. But the way we came back for it, and the way we seem to get the victory for me, it just kind of defined not just that game, but the last three years to where Gerard's trying to get this team to be. Whereas if they've had a setback, the mentality is still there that we're good enough. If we're patient, then we can get the win. And I think that's just for the very beginning what he's trying to get through in the team because obviously the last few seasons we're going to Dubai and stuff, the mentality's totally slipped, and I've not been able to maintain that. So I just think that was the first time for me that. Do you know what we've got this year? This is really we've came together, and this is what he's trying to get out of this team. Um, that's not probably one that nobody even bothers about even thinks about. But I think just in the whole process about Gerard's mind frame is he's probably thinking that's probably one of my mind one of the biggest results of the season because I think if we hadn't beat Muddle, then the questions would all have really been answered, and I think it could have gone a different way. So for me, that was absolutely massive. But the, again, there's top ones in Europe, like beating Braga and winning against Porto and stuff was another one. Uh, that game was so much more than just a win at home to Motherwell for me, Greg. It was like a, you know, a coming of age result, and I've said that a few times, a few results this year. But for me, it was uh, last year, previous years, we would have hundred percent dropped points in that game, and it was that day that I started to think, you know, we're going to we're going to do this, and hopefully that continues. Well, if it was more about the win that day, it was more about the, the symbolism of that win rather than the actual three points that day, wasn't it? Yes, the fact that we dug it out, I mean, we went behind early and it was, and we were still getting beat quite late into the game when we turned it around and we just kept going and kept going and got the, and eventually got the win. I mean, that was massive because that came straight after getting beat with St. Mum in the League Cup. 
you know, and everybody's, I mean, you can even see it again on the old Brennan Rangers Twitter after an hour. People's going, oh, so the wheels are coming off, or a goal down, we're out the League Cup, and all that. And they turned, and they showed some resilience. And I mean, Greg's spot on. I mean, that's that game was huge. That game was absolutely massive. And the Steven Gerrard's career as our manager and the way our season pans out, because I think if we'd lost that game, the wheels probably would have come off. And it was it was an absolutely massive victory, and the manner of the victory as well, because we could have gone three up early. Mother will pull one back. It's just a routine, a routine win, but it was the manner of the victory as well. It was a great, great victory, and it's kicked us on from there as well. Now, Wolf, what, what's your favourite um, Stephen Gerrard win as a Rangers manager? Depends how you look at it. Really, I mean, I'll anyway, be honest. I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about this since you said it. And my favourite. Not my favourite, but I think one of the most important wins that he's had was the U, uh, the UEFA qualifier against Ufa in his first season. That was mine. You know, you know because we squeaked, we squeaked, okay, we squeaked, we squeaked through after a, you know, after a, after a draw. In, I don't know, it's really the draw that put us through. But the, and and the, the one 0 game in the first leg at Ibrox wasn't really wasn't really much of it. I mean, it was, obviously it was a win, but it was a, it was a hard fought win. But the fact that that got us into the group stages, that that was that was massive because that was that was Rangers back on the European stage, uh, and then we did okay in the group stages. Okay, we didn't get out of that group, but we did okay then. That put us back into the European stage, and we've kicked on from there, season on season. I think that was that result in that tie was absolutely massive. Well, that was mine, and I'm I'm upset that you've managed to beat me to the punch, but luckily. Knowing that it might have went that way, that I've got another one lined up, so don't worry about that. But Greg, that game for me accelerated our progress. We probably didn't have a Europa League qualification in, uh, into the group stages into our business plan that year for me. I think it was a total bonus. Could, did you think that was that result in getting us into the group stages for these games against Rapid Vienna and the likes? Do you think that um, accelerated our our progress? Oh, absolutely crucial. Uh, yeah, absolutely crucial. I think. Just for the stature of Gerard as well for his management, and then the players he's able to get in from that. I mean, the players that he's kind of then on sign because they know there's there's European football there to play for. But I think, as you say, just being back into Europe, just having that feel for the fans, just having a bit of kind of positive and uplift after being in lower leagues and getting kind of put out smaller cups and stuff. It was just a, a great feeling. And for then, he's, we've not looked back in Europe. He's, we've seen adapt to kind of two different teams almost, like for league. Um, and also European competition, and I think that's then for what he was trying to do, especially as you were talking about Ufa. There, his kind of game plan was early on, and it seemed to have stayed for that. So that's absolutely massive in the way he's trying to kind of portray Rangers in Europe and get is it to be the biggest club in the world that we are again. Um, so I'm yeah. it's massive. <laughs> it was a real turning point, wasn't it? It's was a kind of sign of things to come. Now I'll go for my second favourite since uh, Wolf has stole my favourite. My, my second favourite was uh, beating Celtic for the first time um, when Ryan Jack scored um, 2018, was it? Um, we'd been battered pillar to post previously um, and there was a lot of scars there and it was, can we do this? Um, and obviously we'd played them previously, actually the Sunday after we went to Ufa, Ufa and we, 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 we lost, we lost narrowly. We defended really well, but we didn't really have the quality to go and take the game to them. We lost 1-0 and you're thinking, here we go again, you know, and, and it was it was just natural human behaviour. But that day when Ryan Jack scored, I know we didn't go on to win anything that year, and that was disappointing. But for me, that was a you know a turning point. You know, we're going to be back. They're not. 
miles ahead of us any longer. Um, we've got the capabilities to beat them on the park now. It's not all about Celtic, it's all about Rangers. And I've seen that day that we've got them, we've got the beating of them. And Stephen Gerrard, for me, had the beating of Brendan Rodgers, uh, who quickly left after. Quite, quite quickly after that because uh, he didn't want to lose the league to Gerrard in my opinion and, and, and jump ship at the first opportunity and that's just continued he's then had the upper hand over Lennon uh, and he's going to go and hopefully win the league this year and I think that day really really kicked all that off for me the Celtic seeing that we were going to be back and you know uh, it's went the way it is for them so what would you think Jing, that was a bit of a change I know it's Celtic you don't like talking about them but did you, did you see that as a big game for us? Yeah, I did. I mean, my 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 other one, in case you weren't going to accept Ufa because the second leg was a draw, uh, was actually the game a year, exactly a year after a year when we beat them at their place. Yeah, two one games we won at their place because that 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 mentally was to me was a was a big big statement because beating beating them at Ibrox was was all well and good and it showed that it showed that we were back and as you say, Rogers jumped ship fairly quickly after that. But going to their place and turning them over in the manner that we turned them over. Okay, it was two one. Final score was two one, but we absolutely fucking destroyed them that day. Yeah, and that that to me, they 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 thought they were invincible at home. They you know we couldn't we couldn't go to their place and turn and you know turn up and beat them. You know only only seven hundred fans stuck in the corner and all that all that sort of rubbish they were coming out with, and that to me was a was a massive massive result. I think yeah. sort of saying that it's the belief as well that we could go face to face with Celtic again and toe to toe. You're saying that that's it's been absolutely massive because for years players like Brown and all that was one about the midfield and thing. We control you. We've got o- over you here. There's no way you are coming back and we're over the top of you. But Gerard seemed to bring that belief back to Rangers that you know, you have good players who get p- potential and you can stand up to them. Like Brown's no, no Brown's done well for. Whatever, but he's not the be all and end all. Do you know what I mean? He's just, he's getting made to look average because to me he is an average player. Do you know what I mean? He's no he's no a, a kind of quality player. And I think just having that belief, the desire to play in all firm games has been brought back with Gerard, which has been absolutely crucial as you're saying the two games you're talking about. There it's just the fight now and now we've took over in that respect. Um even when we're not playing their best against them, we still came out with a victory. So it just shows how far we've came for the games. So, as I say, let, let's hope we go and hammer that home for the rest and he gets the 110 wins or whatever it's needed to win, 105, sorry, to win this league by the end of the season. Because all these games, these 100 games mean nothing until you get that trophy above your head. And I think we'll, we'll all recognise that and hopefully well, we are on the right path at the moment. And hopefully by the next Monday's edition of the Rabble, we're having a, a more positive conversation because we've, we've put Kilmarnock to the sword and we're three points towards towards our end goal. Now, thanks uh, for joining me uh, this evening on the Rangers Rabble. Wolf and Greg, um, and I appreciate everyone for listening. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.